and welcome to the Contracting Officer Podcast. You're listening to the podcast for people who want to learn about the government market from the contracting officer's perspective. Let's get right to the conversation. Today, we're going to answer the question, why is it taking the government so long to release the RFP? I know that I heard the opportunity is going to be posted soon. It seems like it's taking forever. So this conversation resides in the requirement zone. If you're not familiar with the requirement zone, this is one of the time zones that we use to refer to the different phases of the government acquisition cycle. There's a podcast on that. If, if you're not familiar with the requirement zone, go back and listen to that podcast. It'll give you all the background you need on it. So the basic steps for the government are a little bit different than what you might do with your own company. It, there, you, you define your requirement. You're not only trying to decide what you want to buy. But if you're on the government side, you have to document that. And the documentation requirements go from very simple one-pager type of things to many different multiple-page documents. Then once you get all this documented, there's multiple approval levels that you have to go through depending on what you're going to buy. So the time it takes to get through this process really depends on a lot of different factors, but how complex the requirement is, how how expensive it is, how many dollars it is, because that, that drives different reviews on its own. Depends on the state of the industry, whether there's many suppliers or just a few that can provide this. And it also depends on who you're buying it for, whether you're just buying it for yourself or whether you're buying it for a lot of people. So let's take a little time, talk about each of those uh, schedule drivers in a little more detail. Kevin, tell me a little bit about how the complexity of the requirement drives schedule. Well, the biggest thing is how fast you go through the, the time zones. Let's start with that. If it's a complex requirement, meaning it's going to have subcontractors, it's going to have uh, a manufacturing cycle, you're going to have a, whether or not you decide it's a one-year contract or a five-year contract. And if it's more than a five-year contract, speaking of getting approvals, there's an example of the go over a five-year contract requires a, a specific uh, approval. Whether or not it's a small business set aside because that requires approval from certain uh, individuals in the process. There's also laws you have to stick with as far as certain things have to be competed. Certain things, you don't have to compete them, but you have to get approval. So there's all these pieces that go into it. And whether you're buying a a golf cart or you're buying a, a, a CRM system, a customer relationship management system, or some kind of software, if it's something that a company can, can develop through a, I guess we'll call it a developmental process, meaning that it's something that the government needs that doesn't exist. Well, think how complex that is. So here's one, phased array radar. You and I don't need phased array radars. Uh, but by the way, they're used to watch out for nuclear missiles coming our way to give you a heads up. So yeah, we want the government to have those. Well, not everybody can make that, right? And not everybody knows the computer programming behind it and can update all these systems and make sure they're working, et cetera, et cetera. That's a complex requirement. So imagine how many different layers of engineers, of software developers, of users, of all kinds of different people who need to understand what's their, what's their take on this requirement. And then, okay, how are we going to compete it? Well, your instinct probably is uh, that's not something I want a small business managing. So now you've got a, a limited number of companies. You need to talk to those companies, figure out how long it's going to take them to build it. How much is this going to cost? And th- this is a developmental project. So when you hear the term developmental, it gets very – think in terms of uh, long and expensive. The other end of the process is it's a, say it's a commercial item. Say it's a – Let's go back to the golf cart. Or, okay. So if you're buying a golf cart, you got to decide how many people you want it to seat, how many bags you want it to carry if you're literally using it for golf. 
you might want to decide how fast you want it to go, so how many volts, how long you want the battery to last, but you're pretty much done with variables at that point unless you want to specify color maybe. True, and to, to, to give a real example of that, government buys ATVs. They use them for all. I mean, not just for, I mean, like Border Patrol is going to buy ATVs. Uh, lots of Forest Service probably buys ATVs. That, well, actually, you can probably Google. Put, put, put all-terrain vehicle into uh, FBO, and you'll see lots of people who buy ATVs. But So there's an example. It's something like a golf cart. Is You want a two-seater? You want a four-seater? And how many are you going to buy? Can you buy it directly from the manufacturer, or are you going to buy a few of them, and you can buy them from a dealer, and a dealer might be a small business? Or there are small business manufacturers who make these. So there's all these different, all these different uh, pieces to, dis- to dissect first. Right. So you can see how you can even make something simple like an ATV. It, it sounds simple. You can make that a very easy acquisition by buying something right off the shelf. Or you can make it take a long time if you have lots of custom requirements. So you can see how that snowballs if you're buying something like a radar or a whole fighter aircraft that has radar as a subsystem on it. The complexity of the requirement really does drive how much time it takes to define the requirement, to get the requirement approved, which we haven't talked about too much yet, and and to, to do all the documentation it, t- it requires to get it approved. So to add one more piece to that, think of this from industry perspective. The complaint is it takes a long time for the government to write that requirement. Think of it in terms of, well, what if they just threw it over the wall and – We've all seen those, right? We've seen, well, we're not going to spend as much time tweaking this requirement. We're just going to say, we want an ATV. So here comes an RFI for an ATV. And you're looking at that saying, well, okay, what kind of ATV? Um, how fast does it have to go? Uh, how much can it weigh? Um, does it have to have a roll bar? So you're, you want those questions answered as a, as, the, as a seller. Well, that's what takes a while is somebody's got to answer those questions. Now, best case scenario, they're doing market research and they're, fi- and they're asking you, uh, or they're looking at the last contract to say, okay, based we, last time we needed it to go this fast and, and it needed to have this uh, this much efficiency. It doesn't need that anymore. I mean, they're making those decisions. But th- th- the reason this is important to talk about is that if it's a complex requirement, you want them to ask those questions either of the user, of the of the program managers, of the engineers, of whoever the the, the folks who are writing the requirement, or asking you industry. Either way, the requirement needs to be defined. Right. The government it, might not even know all the questions they need to ask until the industry comes in and says, did you think about this? Did you think about this? Did you think about this? So it's definitely, exactly. definitely takes some time. So the dollar value is uh, kind of unique because this is something that it's captured in the FAR, but – but really it's captured in the the individual agency regulations where all by itself the dollar value can t- take time because for a simple requirement the contracting officer or or uh, an office manager chief whatever you want to call them might be able to approve the requirement and approve all the documentation that that it takes to to move forward with that acquisition but for a very large buy just over a certain dollar threshold, it brings other approving authorities in. And to get those approving authorities to approve it, you may have to have multiple different documents complete and go through multiple pre-briefs with all of the underlings of that approver in order to even get on their calendar. To give you a real example, vehicle testing. Let's say the the government needs to test vehicles before they – these are – Humvees, all kinds of different vehicles. They want to test them before they send them out in the field, right? So there are companies that can do this. That's that's not the hard part. 
The hard part is, okay, well, we want to have a contract and instead of doing this once to test one vehicle one time, we're trying to be more efficient and say, okay, we want a five-year contract that's instead of being worth half a million dollars, it's going to be worth $50 million because we want to test all these different types of vehicles, have the ability to test everything from a, a motorcycle all the way up to a, a Almost a tank. I'm just. I'm. You're making. I'm making this up to get to get the point across. There's a lot of stuff in there, right? That's a big contract. But testing vehicles. That's where we started. Right. So the well, testing's the-, the same. It's just because you extended it, you added that many dollars. Now there's a whole different approval level, despite the fact that the requirements are really the same. Yeah. Exactly. You started with a simple requirement of testing vehicles, and now because the contract is worth fifty million dollars, now you need different offices to look at it. Depending on your agency, I mean, with let's say we'll, we'll pick on the Air Force, they they may have five or six different people. I did a three million dollar modification once that six other people had to look at in <laughs> one particular agency. Right now, including one of them was an attorney. So I mean, let's be fair. It's you know, I'm not saying that nobody should be looking over my shoulder, but think in terms of that's six other people. That's a three million dollar modification. I've also done a $300,000 action that only two people looked at. Right. And remember, and then, we, we both bought aircraft. You had to brief uh, a couple majors and then some colonels and then a general and then maybe a general with a couple stars that, that worked in the Pentagon and just to move forward with, with simple things when you're buying something, uh, something as large and expensive as an aircraft. Here's the other end of the spectrum. I also bought a medical equipment for Special Operations Command. This was commercial stuff. It's just the configuration of it and the volume of it made it complex. So you and I could buy every one of the pieces in the equip in this equipment set by ourselves, but to put them all together and make them usable and make them uh, packable and all the things we needed to do with them, it got kind of complicated. So as the dollars increased, so did the opinions and <laughs> the and the advice and the different people I had to talk to. And again, we're not complaining. This is as a taxpayer, you want this. You if you're going to spend fifty million dollars of our tax dollars, you want more than one person looking at it. I'm not saying this is bad. We're saying this so that you understand what's happening in the background. There are processes going back to the. You hear me talk about the 80-20 rule, 80% process. This is part of the process is before you contracting officer and program manager, before you go out and go spend $50 million on this equipment, because that of that dollar amount, other people get a vote on what you're doing. In fact, they may be they may get a veto on what you do. For example, if you try to do a sole source to a large business for something that you and I could go buy commercially, they get a veto, which means that you can't buy that. Right. So again, this is a this is all part of the process to make sure this is done right. Right. So we touched on that. The uh the the amount of approvers is also lots of times linked to who you're buying it for. If let's let's use the army for example, you know, if you if you're just just buying products for your base, there's probably not a lot of approvers in the process. If you're buying something for a command, you might get a few more people involved. If you're buying something that's going to be used by the whole army, man, you got to go up to the top levels lots of times if, if it's got to meet lots of people's needs and it's a lot of dollars. And then imagine if you're trying to buy something for that's going to be used throughout the DOD, a multi-agency buy. Now you have to get the top people in several different agencies to approve. How long is that going to take you? to to prep all the paperwork and to do all the individual briefings. So this this may not be very pertinent to to small business requirements, but I think it is a good example of how who who the approver is drives how much time it takes to, to just get an RFP out the door. Exactly. And and for a small business to think about this, you may only have a say it's a 5 to 10 million dollar contract. 
that's still going to have three or four different people looking at it. And so when, for example, when the questions come in during the RFP phase, and one of the questions is whether or not they'll change the evaluation criteria. Well, that's a big change. So let's assume for, for purpose of this conversation that, that it makes sense to change the evaluation criteria and, and maybe make past performance more important. That's not something the contracting officer normally can just do on their own. There's you know, a lawyer's going to look at that. The, depending on who the source selection authority is, if it's not the contracting officer, they're going to look at that. That's a major change. That's going to take a couple of conversations. And because this is a large organization, there, there's probably a PowerPoint slide deck involved. So there's a bit of a time commitment there. So it isn't something they just simply say, okay, well, what do you think? Flip a coin, let's go. There's a lot of decision process that goes into it. And all of that eats up time. And I know when you're outside the process, it feels 10 times longer than it actually is. But if the, if the 45 day turnaround for an RFP and they spend four days basically thinking about how they're going to address one of the questions, I've done that before. I had a question that was, it was detailed enough that I needed to talk to the program manager, needed to then talk to the lawyer. Then I need to talk to the operations security folks to make sure that when I answer this, I'm not giving away any, any stuff that's specific to what this requirement does. And I then had to, look at how does it fit into the overall acquisition strategy and change anything. All of those are valid things to do, but they don't happen in 15 minutes. <laughs> right. Right. So last thing I want to talk about is how the capabilities of the industry can actually drive the time it takes to, to release an RFP. And what I'm saying is it depends on whether there's a whole lot of suppliers or just a few. If you're buying an ATV, there's many, many people that can sell you an ATV, even a pimped out ATV. But if you're buying, say, a communication satellite, there's only a couple companies that build these things. And the, it, the, the timing can be driven by both factors, whether there's too many suppliers or too few. Uh, again, we we'll circle back to complexity there. Simple requirement like an ATV, lots of suppliers, might take you more time to figure out which suppliers can actually meet your needs. A complex requirement with very few suppliers like a satellite still might take a long time to get out because of of the dollar value and because of just the the sheer volume of different sub requirements uh underneath the main requirement which is uh you know share communications via satellite so <laughs> so the industry capabilities by themselves uh they they interact with the other other factors Exactly. And, and that's something to think about when, when you're looking at individual RFPs, it's smart for you to understand, oh, how competitive is this? Uh, people say sometimes, well, this is written for one company. Okay, let's put aside the fact that there's a cynical answer in there. But writing the requirement to get to the point where only a couple of companies can do it, it's not something that's necessarily done on purpose. And if they find out after the RFP is launched that three or four companies come in and say, well, wait a minute, you didn't here's an example. You made this requirement for four wheel drive in such a way that there's only one company that can do that. In fact, look, look here, they have a patent on it. And of course, contracting officer's answer is, well, gee, I wish that I'd known that two months ago when I put out the RFI, but here we are. Now I got to go back to the drawing board a little bit and adjust some things. So industry capabilities and interaction with industry changes this process a lot. And again, when you're on the outside, it seems like it's taken forever. And while it's not Competition is not meant to be efficient. Uh, sole source contracts, if we just awarded the same people over and over again, they'd probably be efficient. But guess what? You're, you want to actually get new work, right? So you want to be able to compete. 
So this isn't necessarily going to be a, a fast process ever. However, I know it always feels longer on the outside. Right. And understand that they're not just sitting there trying to torture you. <laughs> they're, they're <laughs> In fact, more often than not, they're just trying to get it done. I had so many that, that I had to have – I had a lawyer. He actually asked me. He's like, I need you to be more patient because I was just pushing for an answer of like, can I do this or not? Can I do this or not? Because I wanted to get the work done not only because – well, one, I wanted to get the, the product to the user, start with that. I also had other stuff to do. I had three or four other uh, proposals that I had to, to evaluate. And there's a point at which as a contracting officer, program manager, and particularly as a, as a user, you've just been living this source selection for a while <laughs> and, and you want to be done. So don't, don't think that they're over there trying to drag it out. They're just as interested in moving to the next product as you are. Right. All right. So I think that's a great summary of, of just some of the things that can drive the schedule. You might think, this is a really simple requirement. This RFP should be out next week. Why, why are they planning to release it three months from now? So hopefully we've given you just a little bit of insight into why these things can take so long. So with that, I'll talk to you soon, Kevin. All right, thanks. That's it for this week. If you have questions, comments, or complaints, send us a note at paul at contractingofficerpodcast.com or Kevin at ContractingOfficerPodcast.com. We'd love to hear from you.